Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Tim Kirkchen, ESPN MLB writer and analyst, joins us here on the show. Tim, I'd imagine... Like, you geek out on that music over there. That's a wrong phrase. You, you get fired up for that. Like, baseball season, it just sounds like baseball when you hear that, does it not? Uh, y- yes, it sounds like baseball. And, yes, I'm easily geeked up about the game, especially <laughs> especially after an opening day like yesterday and with what we have to look forward to. I'm 66, and I, I still love this stuff. I can't help it. No, that's awesome, man. What did you think? I mean, obviously, the first one is the new rules, uh, quicker games, a lot more action. Uh, What did you think about not only the pitch clock, but overall the new rule changes? Well, I did a lot of new rule changes in stuff in Florida and Arizona for spring training, and I was pleasantly surprised with, with how quickly the players made the adjustment to the pitch clock. Aaron Boone told me after a week of games, he said, we played a game in Orlando yesterday, he said, and they didn't even have a pitch clock because they didn't have the technology in the ballpark. And we still played in two and a half hours because the players were already conditioned to let's get in the box and go, let's get on the mound and let's go. And that's a really good sign. So I didn't see anything terrible that happened yesterday something terrible is going to happen somebody's going to lose a game on a pitch violation but i i think we've gotten to the point where it looks like this has a chance to really work and i sure hope so because if you can shave not necessarily minutes off the game but the dead time out of the game and if we can get more action into the game that's kind of what we're looking for here Tim, we had roughly a steal and a half uh, per game of stolen base attempts yesterday. Teams went 21 for 23. I know that was anticipated that teams would try to pressure that aspect of the game because of the pitch clock and pitchers being so focused on getting the ball in play. How do pitchers adapt to that, or what will be the adaptation, if any, to try to uh, contain those that want to try to steal bases? Right. It's going to be a challenge. I don't anticipate stolen bases going way up this year. I talked to Max Scherzer, uh, the mad scientist, and I mean that in the best possible way. And he told me the bigger bases and all that. He said, it just means I have to be set of one, three to the plate. I have to be 1.29 to the plate. That is a microscopic difference because he's already done the math on this, but <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great that players are actually thinking more often. Maybe we can steal a base here with the throw over rule and the disengagement rule. Um, there's just a real chance that we'll get more action and more running and more athleticism into the game, which is what we were looking for all along. These guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and better than they've ever been. We need to see them do more things than just throw 100 miles an hour and hit a ball over a fence. We need to watch them run, and maybe this will be the case. But I repeat, I just don't think um, that we're going to see a ton more stolen bases, Mm -hmm. but a few more would be great. Is there anything about the rule changes, Tim, that 
you don't love all the way, meaning you, you, you're not out on the rule change entirely, but there's this one little portion of it that you're not quite on board with. Well, it's the old rule, the runner on second base, the ghost runner in the 10th inning. I'm sorry. I, I will never be a fan of that rule. It just is completely foreign to what baseball has been played like for the first 140 years. It's unnecessary, but it looks like it's here to stay, and um, I'm learning to deal with it. But I just really don't get bigger bases. I understand what they're trying to do here, but I don't think that is necessary, and I, I worry a little bit from all the players I talked to this spring that you know a slightly bigger bag might affect somebody sliding into second, and now the, the bag is four inches wider, or a second baseman who's so used to going to the bag, knowing exactly where it is and what size it is, he might get a spike caught under the bag because it's a bigger bag now. I, I just don't understand it. I'm not totally against it. I just think the other bases were just fine. And to me, there's a noticeable difference between the old base and the pizza box that's down <laughs> on the bases now. The Hall of Famer, Tim Kirchner, nice enough to take some time with us. Writer, analyst for ESPN, ESPN.com, covering the MLB. Tim, for you... Here in this state, it's kind of a melting pot of fandom. We have a number of different storied franchises all around us, Cubs, White Sox, Cardinals, Reds. When you look at the conglomerate of those four teams, where are your feelings of expectations for those four, and who do you think has the best chances for for a long, healthy, successful season here in 2023? Right. Well, the Cubs are are much better than they were last year. That doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs because I don't think they are. But I really liked and, and what I saw and what I heard from the Cubs this spring. But, again, a lot is going to depend on Cody Fellinger finding his swing again. And he's it's been lost for a couple years now. And Eric Hosmer making a comeback, too, and being a productive hitter again. Those are pretty big ifs at this point. But still, I like where the Cubs are going. I like their offseason moves. Love Dansby Swanson at short they're heading in the right direction. The White Sox have to be better than they were last year. Uh, they can't be again, and I expect them to be but maybe not significantly better. I still think the Guardians are the best team in that division. The Reds are going to struggle this year. That's obvious, but at least they're going to struggle with young players on the way up, and they're going to give them hope from Hunter Green on down. should be fun to watch. And the fourth team is the Cardinals. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, the Cardinals are very good. Uh, even though they lost the game yesterday and gave up 10 runs and bullpen gave it up and, and Miles Michaelis wasn't very good at the start, they're a very good team. And once they get completely healthy and get everyone going, I think they'll win that division. I think they're better than the Brewers. They're better than the Cubs. They're certainly better than the Reds and the Pirates. So I think there's a lot to like on the teams that you guys are following. Reds pitcher Hunter Green hit 105.2 miles per hour on a pitch yesterday. 105.2, that's insane. Uh, That blew my mind. Either that or anything else with opening day, what player blew your mind, Tim Kirchin? Well, first off with Hunter Green, anyone who throws over 100 miles an hour and is that big and that young and that athletic, you have to be really, really excited about him. And yet, people put that 100 miles an hour in play. He's going to need a little bit more movement with that 100-mile-an-hour fastball because the old cliche is, 
today's hitters can really time a bullet. They can time an airplane. Once they figure out, hey, it's straight, we can figure out the velocity. So that's one guy. And, and the other guy was Dylan Cease last night. Anyone who didn't see Dylan Cease last night, that was that was ridiculous how good his stuff is and Roger Clemens in the booth is going whoa things like that 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 just shows you how impressive Dylan Cease's stuff was last night of course we saw it all last year when he you know was in the Cy Young running but when you throw that hard with that kind of movement um, there's an awful lot to like there. Tim Kirchin taking some time with us. Tim, one of my relatives has never been a big baseball fan, but points to the length of games decreasing uh, around two hours, 45 minutes, I think was 15 or so games yesterday. I know that's the intent of Major League Baseball, but as you look at these rule changes for you, somebody that is as diehard as they come, as, as truly loves the game in its purest form, what is your selling point to fans that were maybe on the fence but there's not a ton going on during the summer months and baseball is as good as any to hit your wagon to. How do you sell that to them? Well, you, you sell it to them by saying these rule changes are designed in part to bring back the value of the hit. I think we've lost the value of the hit. You know, we don't really care who the batting champion is these days. And when I was growing up and Rod Carew and then later, of course, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs would win batting titles, Ichiro, that was a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal anymore, and it should be because the hit – once we return that value of the hit, and this is what the, the change in the, in the shift rule is hopefully going to do. A hard ground ball up the middle might be a hit now. A hard ground ball to the right of the first baseman might be a hit. When a ball's put in play like that, that's really good. And that's what we're trying to get here, fellas. We're trying to get more balls in play. We're trying to watch guys run first to third or score from second on a single. That's what people like. That's how I would sell it to people. You don't need necessarily – a faster game. You need a better game, a game with more action and less dead time. And that's the hope here. You know, Tim, I haven't heard a whole lot of criticism about the new rules from the people who have covered the game for a, a long, long time. And I know not everybody, it's not universal, universal. Everybody loves the rules all across the board. But is there a sense that you get where hey, let's highlight the good. Let's highlight what we do like instead of just belly aching and complaining and making it like, oh, this isn't the place we want to be. More so like highlight the good of the game instead of just belly aching about the stuff you don't like. Yeah, I think we're seeing quite a bit of that because, again, I think the game needed some help. And this is the first time I've said that in a long time. And when people are reaching out to say, all right, we can make it better, I think we should. Now, again, fellas, this could all blow up here. If we have a pitch violation that ends a game and people are going crazy like they did, you know, the second day of spring training this year, that, that could change the narrative tremendously. If we find that the shift rule isn't working and teams are working around it, you know, that, that we're going to hear the negative once we, once we see a bunch more games. But I, I talked to so many people this spring who told me, to, the, to some effect, uh, after a month, no one's even going to be talking about the rule changes. That's how easy these guys are going to be able to adjust to them. And, again, I'll believe that when I see it, but I really like what I saw in spring training and what we saw yesterday. Tim, we were talking about uh, uh, snacks and other fun things yesterday. With, <laughs> with, with it being opening day, are, are you just a classic uh, hot dog and, and Cracker Jack guy, or is oh, there wow, a particular yeah. spot 
in the MLB and all its beautiful parks that, that has the best chow that you can find? Well, you know, I get asked this once in a while, and I have to avoid the question because I don't eat in the ballpark. I eat in the the press box because that's that's where the food is. So I don't take my time to go stand in line for 15 minutes and miss, you know, an inning and a half when I can just go get a meal at in the press box. Having said that, the Bratwurst at uh, Miller Park, and especially at the Old County Stadium in Milwaukee, with the secret sauce is just to die for. So um, I I had many, many of those over the years. And the great part, when I used to cover a team every day, and we'd go to, you know, to County Stadium in Milwaukee, those brats with the secret sauce were in the press box during the game. So that's my favorite ballpark food right there. Does it bother you, Tim, when uh, you're singing Take Me Out to the Ballpark when someone says Cracker Jack's? Yeah, it's a singular. It's Cracker Jack, um, you know. And I, you know, it's like RBIs. Sorry, it's still there's still an <laughs> S on the end of that for me. It's there you go. Like, yeah, it's like POWs. You know, no one ever said that a hundred POW came home from World War II. Okay? <laughs> that's right. Yes. POWs. So that that's my. So, and again, RBIs, all that, it, it, I'm fine. And Cracker Jacks, well, you can call it whatever you want as long as you're singing it in the bottom of the seven. There you go. Absolutely. Well, hey, Tim, appreciate the time, man. Always good to catch up with you. And enjoy the season, man. Hope to catch you again sometime soon here. Okay, fellas. See you. Thanks, Tim. All right, there he is, Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB writer and analyst, baseball Hall of Famer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Eddie Gill joining us now, former Pacer, current radio analyst for the Pacers Radio Network, also TV analyst on Bally Sports Indiana. Uh, Eddie, thanks for being on the show today. I need some dirt on Eddie Garrison, okay? You work with Eddie on the radio broadcast. I need something I can use against him. Oh, man. For number one, thank you guys for having me. Number two, uh, I, need to do some, I need to do some digging here. He's, uh, <laughs> he's real low-key on the, on the radio broadcast. I'm going to have to uh, put some stalkers out on him or something. <laughs> you know, he gave you props. He was like, Eddie Gill, really cool dude, man. Really cool guy. I'm, I'm not even making that up. He was like, he, he speaks yeah. fondly of you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. He's, he's, he's rock solid himself, so I can't, I can't give you some dirt, but uh, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get some dirt. I need to know you better, then you can give me the dirt. You know what I mean? Like, there I think you, that's what it is. There, there you is. go. Yeah. <laughs> we got trust issues. Yeah, no doubt. You got to know it's, it's okay here. You can trust me. Um, what are you hoping to see from the Pacers from here on out to close the season, Eddie? Yeah, I think uh, overall the the the, the on the court goals haven't really changed in, in terms of development of young players. You obviously want to go out there and compete, and and uh, and not necessarily play you know the record, but you want to go out there and and, and play the games as if it's, it's zero zero. If that if that makes any sense to you, because oftentimes you start you start getting to the finish line, especially in these scenarios, um, there there's, there can be a, a human nature component in which you're just like, hey, I'm just going to go through the motions and just try to get to the finish line. Um, I just want to see you know guys go out there and continue to compete hard. Um, seems like obviously the coaching staff continue to to coach them up hard and and, uh, and and continue to make progress because there's great experiences here available to you if you take advantage of it. Otherwise, 
it, you could you could burn this opportunity to, to gain some real valuable experience. Eddie, over these last couple of games, the Pacers' points scored and points allowed have been astronomical through the roof on both sides. Enter tonight, Oklahoma City, another very young, very fast-paced team. Uh, how high of a scoring shootout are you expecting tonight when these two teams take the floor? Man, just when I think that these numbers can't get any more ridiculous, <laughs> they do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and if that trend continues, it, it could be another, you know, game, you know, 120-plus type of game. On, 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 uh, because I think both teams, um, you know, have have that type of firepower and, and ability to do that. And that's always something that uh, I find interesting and, in some degree, uh, humorous when, when certain players are out you know, people are like, well, where are you going to find scoring? And I'm like, well, there's other pros on the bench waiting to play. <laughs> <laughs> and, those, and those guys are plenty capable. Now, granted, I definitely understand there's levels to it. Some players are better than others and that type of thing. But I, I can assure you, you know, when you go to any practice or anything like that, the, the first unit, they got their hands full with the second unit in terms of trying to stop that team from scoring. So uh, you, you could definitely see that type of night again here tonight. You know, Eddie, it's kind of like the uh, the ugly conversation in the room where it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on when the Pacers are resting some of their best players is they're looking for more ping pong balls while developing some of the younger guys. If you're one of those younger guys, are you just excited about getting more minutes and getting an opportunity and that's as far as you think it through? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and yeah, for me, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I can't be concerned with who's sitting and who's not. I'm just I'm looking for each and every opportunity that's available to it, and, and regardless of the circumstance, um, you know, want to go out there and be able to, to prove your worth and prove your value, to to catapult yourself into to greater opportunity, whether it's the summer if you're a, if you're a free agent or if it's uh, coming into the upcoming season. You want you want to be able to show what you can do uh, and have some some. Some, some film and, and experience to, to really lean on to whether it's your current team. They say, hey, we can trust this guy next season. He could be a, a critical piece to what we do moving forward and or, uh, you know, lobbying and, and really showcasing your talent for other teams. Eddie Gill, the Pacers Radio Network in Valley Sports, Indiana. Nice enough to take a few minutes with us here on The Fan. Eddie, over the course of your 12-year career, you know it was a grind. You put in the work that was necessary to be able to establish yourself in the league. For younger players, I know we're not at the offseason yet, but a lot of promise, a lot of praise at time has been given to this young core the Pacers have established through last year's draft. How do you keep that mentality and that focus as a young player in this league when the offseason arrives, knowing that it's not really a break for you, particularly if you are a young player in this league? Yeah, I think you got to go into it with a, a consistent mindset of, hey, I'm going to continue to make some progress within my game as a person, as an individual, uh, and, and showing that you're you know, a high-character individual that's going to go out there and work hard and, and play to the, the fullest of your capabilities, and then also take some steps with, within your game. You can't come back doing the same thing. you got to try to introduce new things or, or really – um, improve upon your weaknesses, whatever those may be, whether it's offensive, defensive, handling the basketball, shooting the basketball, playmaking, whatever whatever those things may be, you want to continue to make progress. And, and don't be content with the moment, right? You know, especially the Pacers, they've got some, some young guys who've had some real success uh, in this season early on in their careers as rookies and, and, and second-year players and so on. You want to be able to continue to, to, to make that improvement because – uh, there's a million guys that want their jobs, and, and, and some of them will come behind them, and whether it's in the draft or free agency. Uh, you look at thinking about summer league opportunities. So there will be 
guys coming up behind them, really putting some pressure and some heat on them, trying to take their job. Indiana guard Jalen hood Shafino announced that he's going to enter the NBA. He announced that today. And for a guy that made that jump to the NBA like you did, Eddie, we know it's a significant jump, but for someone who's been there on the court and faced that competition, how do you put it into words what it's like to go from college to the NBA initially? Yeah, it's a, it's a significant jump. Uh, it's a, a tr- tremendous jump in terms of the speed of the game, the, the size of the players in which they're able to move, the mobility that they have but a lot of times. There's some certain teams in college they had big guys still playing some traditional, uh, quote unquote, big guy basketball. Um, whereas in the NBA, you have guys six eight, six nine, six ten, and they're handling the basketball as if they're five eleven. Um, you know, and the, the speed of the game is so different. There's a lot more space on the floor. You can't just pack the zone and, and, and try to keep people out of there. Although the NBA, they've gone to their own version of a zone, but you still can't stand in a lane. That's a violation, um, you know, for the whole entire defensive possession. You only got three seconds to get in and out of there. So there's a lot more space to operate in terms of offensively, which which makes it even more difficult to defend uh, as a defensive player. Um, I, I think those are the, the main keys. And, and, and in that league, you know, there's there's no nights off, right? So you, you could be the best player on your team. And I think uh, Jalen is a tremendous uh, – he was a tremendous point guard for, for IU and, and did a great job there. And I think he'll be a, a good pro. Uh, but, but for any guys coming from that level to the NBA level, there's significant jumps in terms of uh, what you have to deal with on both ends of the floor. Eddie, I want to zoom out from the Pacers for just a second. We talked about players in the NBA, young players right now trying to improve their game, but there's also a lot of today's youth that have dreams of playing in high school, playing college, playing in the NBA. And I know that you and your organization all out training have a summer camp going on uh, up at Zionsville Middle, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in June. I wonder if you could yeah. expand on that a little bit uh, for those that are you know, looking for a spot to, to have their kids grow and learn the game more. Yeah, yeah, we do. I appreciate you, you mentioning it. Uh, I do a, a Nike basketball camp every summer and uh, actually have some after-school programs during the school year where I've hired coaches and been able to have some, some after-school programs in, in, the, uh, in, in the Zionsville community as of right now. Um, but this Nike basketball camp that you referenced, it's June 26th through June 30th. Um, it's actually on the verge of selling out. We've, we've done it for several years now, and, and then now it's gotten to a place where it's, it's got a really nice following. There's been a, a ton of positive feedback and and um, yeah, it, it's something basically coming in and working on the fundamentals of the game. Whether and it's a wide variety of, of participants. You know, some kids hadn't played a, a lot of basketball. Some kids are playing high-level AAU basketball. We always make sure we make sure the kids are in, in their particular group in which their playing experience is, is similar, uh, regardless of age. Um, now, having said that, the age groups are eight to sixteen, and um, you know, again, it's, it's fundamental basketball, and, and I always. Whenever I have these opportunities, I look at it as a as a parent. I want to make sure that that my kid has a, a ample amount of reps. He's not standing in line for X amount of time, or and that kind of thing. And then beyond that, we always talk about life lessons using the game of basketball as a vehicle, uh, because the reality is not everybody's going to play professional basketball or even college basketball in that regard. But there's a lot of lessons you can extract from the game and, and incorporate them into your day to day life. So I'm always talking about that throughout the week. Hey, Eddie, good stuff, man. Thanks for popping on today. We'll, uh, we'll catch you tonight with the game against OKC. Fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thank you. There he is, Eddie Gill, former Pacer, current radio analyst for the Pacers Radio Network, TV analyst on Bally Sports Indiana. Looks good on TV, too.